Hello and welcome to another Hotel Analyst podcast where, as you'll find us regularly, uh, myself and Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, uh, me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, drawing ourselves around the desk of insight to consider three topics of the moment in the hotel investment space uh, as we review the world of hotels on a daily basis. And we're starting this week by um, with, with Andrew having us a little bit of an update on uh, Matters Green because he's been to a couple of conferences recently um, to find out how the hotel sector is getting its house together in terms of green reporting and coming together to make this whole um, working things out uh, a little bit easier to grapple with and a little bit more fundamental and a little bit easier to measure. So Andrew, uh, what did you learn? Yeah, all of those things, actually, Chris, and particularly on the measurement piece being important. But the two events I turned up to were the Sustainable Hospitality Alliances Summit, which they had, and they had a gala dinner following the summit as well, which was jolly nice. And then the very next day, um, there was a launch, a postponed launch. I think it was the third time lucky in terms of the scheduling for it. Um, combination, I think, the, the, the Queen's funeral and uh, train strikes. Um, they finally managed to um, actually host it um, and that was for their new report their, their sustainability commitment um, which um, outlines uh, sort of various targets in getting the hospitality sector in the UK to net zero by 2040. Um, so I guess the bigger one though was the SHA the Sustainable Hospitality Alliance this is a 30 year old body it started life as the International Hotels Environment Initiative so it shows just how long this has been on the agenda of our sector we've been early into this and I think you know um, we there are things we could have done better quicker but um, there has been an awareness level I think bubbling away within the sector um and it, it, it it's as one would hope um given how much more seriously this has been taken across the board um by governments by corporates and indeed by consumers um this is now gathering a pace um and the the chairman of this uh, of the SHA is Wolfgang Neumann he's the ex-CEO of Resador so he's very much uh, uh, a, a business person he understands what's going on um, and this is not just a sort of a, a shouty greeny kind of lobby group <laughs> it's, it's, it's you know it's a more serious thing and and indeed you've got 35 percent of the world's branded host ho hotel stock represented by the SHA including all of the global ma majors having signed up to it so it's it's quite an important uh, from the point of view in terms of where we are as a as a industry how we're approaching this now as I said that the next day I went along to UK hospitality um, and uh, um, had a look at um, you know what they were doing um, as well and uh, and this was this was a, again was an impressive uh, group um, they were making a push um, in terms of carbon reduction waste reduction um, particularly trying to uh, look at uh, packaging lots of talk about supply chains um, so it was the sustainability 
commitment there were 10 pledges um, that um, the UK hospitality is committing its members to organize organized around four areas waste supply chain skills and biodiversity now this is all great um, and it's helpful um, but there's some problems uh, and you've got to really um start asking if you you know we are beyond now platitudes with this issue and we actually need to start doing something concrete um and it's no good everybody just sort of standing up saying i think this is an important issue and we need to do something about it <laughs> the, the 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 conversation needs to be well what is that something we're going to do about it going to be um and it needs to be a little bit more than sort of we're going to ban plastic straws or suggest people um <laughs> you know um reuse their towels um it needs to be a bit more than that and the problem we've got is that to manage anything you've got to measure it in the sort of mm -hmm. consultants cliche and we're still not in a position where we can measure it um in a meaningful way um so i raised this issue at the uh at the uk hospitality uh, um seminar and it was a little bit i did feel like i was farting in a crowded lift as i <laughs> raised this question and sort of said well help me please i'm trying to write about this in a uh, responsible way but you know you're, you're not helping me because everyone <laughs> every time I go to one of these things there seems to be a different way of measuring carbon now I mean Wolfgang Neumann um, um, reference he, he reckoned I think there's about 27 different ways of uh, uh, measuring carbon in hotels I you know I haven't counted them all but I, I, I certainly think there's a you know it's certainly getting on it's well into double figures mm. um, and it's, it must be you know I'm sure he's right in that number um, and you know if we can't agree on how we're going to measure and just a small comparatively small industry like ours i'm not suggesting we should underplay the scale and importance of hospitality but it's it's by no means all of industry um and if we can't agree on how to measure things you know it, it, it's a huge problem i mean to the extent that we've got so many dozens and dozens of these different ways of measuring it it, it just creates a sort of nonsense environment in which anybody can claim anything and never be disproved you know it, it, it's extremely difficult and there's lots of talk about having science-based targets well it's all very well having science-based targets but if everybody's got a different set of science-based reference points it's not very helpful so we need to agree on one now it's there's as always with these things it's going to be a you know some people are going to be uh you know having an issue with a particular way it's being measured but you know effectively now I think we've got to a point where there are going to be two main bodies looking at this there's going to be the european commission who are doing um they're, they're introducing a taxonomy on how they address the whole issue of sustainability um and carbon emissions um you know my fear with that one is that it is going to be subjective and um, if i were cynical i would suspect that uh, say the german automotive industry would get uh, um, <laughs> be treated more favorably than other um, sectors and i think you know hospitality better watch out because there's 
the northern europeans i mean if you look at germany it's you know one of the few industries in which it's a net importer is very much hospitality and tourism so uh, it's not going to be particularly as a country sympathetic to 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 the case for hospitality so i rather suspect that um, it might be an area that gets bashed unless the our industry gets together and makes its case and i think it's it is i'm afraid um going to be more about having a defensive position when the regulators come for us than it is in terms of any great progressiveness in terms of we're going to save the world kind of thing it's about understanding what's going to be coming down the track in the way of regulations in the way of how um, increasingly we're seeing big uh, fund management companies insisting on um, accountability in this area um, rightly but we need to get in there and have some metrics which have some meaning mm. um, the sooner the better for this um, and you know the the SHA um, has their uh, has the hotel carbon measurement um, initiative and I think that is a very good way it's backed by Cornell University it seems that a very good one we can all rally around and start using and that will be helpful to do that rather than have this myriad of different ways of doing it now when I asked my um, when I farted in the lift at the seminar <laughs> of um, of uh, UK hospitality um, the response I had, actually, the most intelligent response I got was out of uh, the representative from Sky, and she said, um, well, look, we're probably where the, the accountancy uh, sector was 50 years ago, in, in which there wasn't a coherent way of... Um, bringing you know how we looked at different sets of accounts and it's taken a while for that to all be aligned and we're getting there now and that's the other way it's come to the IFRS who've got the International uh, Sustainability Standards Board that's coming together and that's a financially driven um, assessment of sustainability which is has its problems I you know um, um, it, it but um, I do think this is going to be certainly from a you know North American perspective the facto model and it's going to increasingly influence much of Europe as well and you're going to have that um, alongside the European Commission as the two big ways and we need to get in there and start making our case and you know as an industry and start saying look this is what we're doing and this is how you should be thinking about us and how you should be measuring us and you know as is pointed out um, you know the, the big challenge for our sector is not so much actually on arrival and not so much the hotels um, is actually how you get there it's the airlift which is going to be very problematic i think over the well it's probably going to take several decades before we get to non-carbon reducing air transportation um that's that's the big challenge i think but uh, um the top and bottom of it is you actually need to engage um we need to have less um platitudes more actual discussion about well where the, where are the trade-offs here where are we going to be spending some money um, to actually make a difference here um, and what, what's the cost-benefit analysis and you can't sort of say oh we you know how can you put a price on the planet that's just not a very helpful mm -hmm. um, way to, to get stuck into this you've got to be um, more rational about it and start saying well look yeah 
you know this is about an insurance policy nobody really knows what the um, true impact of what we're doing to um, in terms of emissions is going to be um, there are estimates and we've got a degree of scientific consensus around the um, intergovernmental panel on climate change um, the United Nations body um, we need to say well look you know we need to start making efforts and uh, pushes towards this um, and we need to cost it effectively um, and we need to you know have grown-up discussions with grown-ups like Wolfgang Neumann rather than um, I'm afraid there were one or two um, rather shrieky types at uh, both of the events who seemed to think that um, all they had to do was say you know we, we you know effectively they were once you know step short of throwing a can of soup at an oil painting i think <laughs> um so um you know we, we've got to move away from that and um, um and actually get down to the the, the dirty um compromise discussion um and it, it's it's not it's not going to be an easy process and i think uh, at the moment everybody's saying it's all oh, 2050 is a long way off oh but, it's uh, come around um mm yeah well it's not just that i think you know the increase increasingly you know the regulators saying well look if we're going to get there by 2050 we're going to have to have staging posts put in place and those staging posts are being put in place and they're they're coming quite hard and fast and some quite severe shocks are coming i think in in the form of you know carbon taxes and other regulatory things um so it, it, it's got to be looked at it's got to be addressed and uh, um you know the industry needs to engage with it um and i think it needs Needs to engage with it in a uh, a business-like way. Okay, what's happening in the German hotel market, where there's been another recent deal, which added to one that happened a couple of months ago, sort of signals quite a significant shift in terms of brand presence uh, in the country. So uh, Hyatt's just done a deal with the Linda Group, um, the German uh, uh, group that owns and operates a whole bunch of hotels across the country. Um, effectively, Hyatt is uh, they're going to be run under a franchise arrangement. Most of the hotels are going to be jointly branded as uh, Joie de Vivre, the, the Hyatt flag, although some will perhaps operate on others. But it means that um, more than 30 uh, properties are going to be going across to the, the run under the Hyatt platform. Um, and uh, stroke giving giving Hyatt another 25% presence in, in Europe. And now what's interesting apart from that deal on its own is that it comes just a few weeks after Wyndham did a deal where they acquired the Vienna House brand um, in Europe which gave them 40 hotels and much of, many of those are about 30 of those are in Germany so uh, just within a period of uh, just a few weeks two big deals two big international brand groups really um, grabbing hold of the uh, presence in the in the German and Central European markets and suddenly the landscapes looking a little bit uh, different I love that name Joy de Vivre. I, I think that's just a fantastic brand name, and it just it, you hear it and think, "Oh, I fancy staying mm. there," don't you? I think it's a it's a yeah. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> so, uh, it's uh, interesting. It'll be much uh, easier for us on this side of the pond as well. So. <laughs> that yeah. will actually, what indeed. Well, it was it was it's a US um, originated brand. I mean, uh, Chip Conley. Um, um, set it up so uh, who of course was involved in um, Airbnb so it's uh, got interesting I think um, um, I, I think it's uh, uh, yeah, one of the um, 
um, some most evocative and emotive um, um, I suppose, what would you call them boutique hotel mm-hmm. brand yeah. names um, but yeah I mean it's up there um, it's easy you know it's at the, at the at the top of the the list of those who've originated that whole sort of lifestyle hotel market uh, alongside Ian Schrager and people like that I'd suggest anyway anyway um, that was a um, sidetrack um, so what I talked about in terms of Germany well I, I guess I, I, uh, the first thing to say about Germany is um, it's still it is just bizarrely um, low rates achieved by German hotels hmm. um, relative I mean you know if you go to Berlin as a major European capital city it's you can get incredibly good prices on very nice hotels um, relative to say London Paris Milan um, Rome Madrid Barcelona um, you know Amsterdam you name it um, all are much much more expensive than Berlin mm-hmm. providing you don't go during ITB um, mm-hmm. you know you can have a five-star experience for a hundred you know 150 euros or even less sometimes I mean it's incredibly good value um, why is the German market so badly rated um, question? I don't know, but it's always been that way since I've been writing about the industry for 30 years. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be changing any time soon. But um, that aside, um, it is a very important and very uh, growth market for, for hotels in Europe. It's obviously the biggest economy in Europe. There's massive potential there. It is moderately branded. So it's, you know, you've probably got the Scandies the most branded the UK is pretty branded uh, Italy by far the least branded of the major uh, European markets and then you've got sort of Germany sits somewhere between them um, but uh, um, interestingly it has been Accor that is is the biggest hotel company in terms of room numbers but if you look at hotel brands um Accor hasn't been having a very good time lately it's ibis and it's novotel have actually been net shrinking um so i took a look at a, a study by pkf hospitality the vienna based uh, consultancy and uh, you know this is what they found and they found the 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 biggest brand is motel one um and uh, the sort of the big riser is b&b hotels now motel one um in terms of number of hotels didn't grow that fast in it the, the, this study is in the year to the end of march um each year so um so it was, it was put this was the uh, for the march 22 um and it found that um, um b&b added more hotels but uh, uh motel one added the most rooms and they added four very large um, hotels um, and they it is now the number one brand in in Germany Premier Inn is the fastest growing added 13 hotels in in the year to the end of March um, against the nine added by BNB so but what's interesting with all of these three I've mentioned um, and this is the thing I really honed in on in my commentary was the fact that this is sort of challenging the conventional wisdom that the fastest way to grow is via franchising Mm. because you know premier inn is owned and or leased mostly leased actually in germany uh b&b is leased um and motel one is leased and it's this property exposure which all three of those brands have which seems to have enabled them to grow fast now 
it is perhaps a peculiarity of the German market but obviously if you look at uh, the UK the two leading economy brands are Premier Inn and Travel Lodge both of which are either leased or owned um, yeah, and, and here we are in Germany with this this model as well dominating so it's quite interesting it does sort of confound the received wisdom that franchising is the way to grow particularly in the economy space um, so it's, it, it's a challenge to that I think um, and we'll see how that now why that is again a bit like why is Germany so badly you know in terms of the room rates why is its room rates so comparatively poor um, you know it's an interesting question as to how this has evolved in this way but uh, I certainly think it's one to watch now I think you reference uh, in your piece Chris Wyndham um, and they have I mean obviously they they've bought here they've acquired and they've been very good at acquiring and digesting uh, brands in fact they prefer buying brands to creating them I think they've what organically only created about two or three of theirs I think about three and the the 20 odd they've got it's the the rest have all been um, bought in so it's clearly how they like to do it and that seems to be a great way for them to get some volume in the German market and indeed for uh, Hyatt in terms of their structures they've put in place there what they weren't telling us of course with the Hyatt deal was uh, how much of a discount that uh, was offered in terms of you know presumably it was a bit of a bulk mm -hmm. buy there so uh, but they were keeping very quiet on that one um, in terms of what you know both sides were keeping quite quiet and you know how much of an extra bunce um, had to be foregone by Hyatt to sign up that volume all at once um, but nonetheless it uh, looks a very good way of um, adding um, a lot of uh, flags um, as long as they are profitable flags that will be very positive now the next thing we're going to look at is is the there's some some further indications that uh, there's more and more blending of uh, asset classes in the uh, buildings with beds uh, space and uh, a couple of recent examples of this um, the uh, UK student accommodation provider Unite has uh, bought a, a build to rent development uh, in a part of East London where they've already got plenty of student flats uh, they've decided they're going to be dipping their toe in the uh, the rental home market uh, the idea being that obviously once you graduate as a student um, perhaps you've been staying in a Unite uh, student accommodation for two or three years why would you not want to carry on being a Unite client and uh, graduate into uh, a, a build to rent uh, flat operated by the same uh, same organization so they're testing that out at the same time uh, the the student hotel which is a very successful mainland European business building a variety of uh, mixed accommodation units has uh, has rebranded themselves as the social hub so uh, on the one hand this obviously takes them away from the student word in their name and they've for a long time been more than just accommodation for, for students and frequently they kind of combine some student accommodation with uh, some kind of uh, service departments and other things but also bringing in the the fact that they're seeing increasingly it, it's important that they act as a some kind of a, a social space and they've got uh, rooms that are hireable by the day the hour whatever um, for group meetings uh, all sorts of activities alongside just uh, providing overnight accommodation um, so once again uh, you know talking about blending what they do and generating far more revenue by having 
a blended approach that doesn't just sort of uh, silo the uh, the different uses uh, in, and and perhaps just limit limit uh, their, what they use their buildings for. Yes, and to complete that uh, litany of buzzwords, let's add in the blurred lines um, bit, which is where you've got this crossover of all the different um, industry verticals where they're now blurring into one another, which is clearly what, what we're seeing here with this purpose-built student accommodation player. Um, What's fascinating with the whole PBSA thing at the moment is just how strong they are performing, despite having, you know, that the the horror show that was COVID, and obviously that was a significant financial hit for them as well because they did uh, um, give back um, in most of the big players they refunded students for at least during the first lockdown periods they gave a full refund to all of those rents um, but they've come flying out of the um, recession and uh, Unite said this month that uh, the, this academic year they'd sold 99% of beds mm. um, quite an incredible achievement actually um, yeah, I mean I guess if you look at what's been in the press of the last few weeks where you've seen students queuing up in places like Durham or Bristol uh, you know camping overnight because they you know to try and make sure they get accommodation because it's in such short supply you do wonder why they didn't sell that one <laughs> percent but that's probably <clears throat> that's probably just uh, in the rounding somewhere there but um but what they're saying is look we're this is looking very good at the moment they're saying um applications to to universities are up seven percent on pre-pandemic levels you know it's clearly a bumper market right now um, so you know I, you can say well you know is this can this continue there are some medium-term threats I guess um, in terms of the government saying well maybe we might sort of turn some of the taps off that's funding that but it seems to me that as soon as the sort of domestic taps get turned off a bit they're able to generate it in some of the key markets like the UK in particular with um, overseas students so it seems for the time being that uh, PBSA is in for a, a bumper period I mean of course what what is interesting <clears throat> is this crossover is this linkage with hospitality and hospitality is you know uh, as as the student hotel the renamed social hub um is uh, showing it it's you know that that hospitality how you run those social spaces is critical um it's going to be interesting to see how that 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 uh, brand the social hub performs now um I have heard whispers in the market that uh, um, the CEO Charlie McGregor may be um, moving on shortly. So I mean, it's going to be an interesting transition for that, I think. Um, and I mean, it certainly you know it's had significant backing from the Dutch Pension Fund APG. So um, it's done very done you know pretty well so far. But uh, um, whether it's done as well as um, it might be superficially seen to be doing is i think still to be proved um we will see but i think what we what is for certain is we're going to see more and more of this uh, cross fertilization and um, more and more of this where this overlapping uh, between all these buildings with beds um you've and in particular when we look at you know what's happened in the student markets of, of reference 
Durham and Bristol. I mean, it's a crisis in the uh, residential rental market, which has added to the pressure on the students because normally, you know, you go in maybe for your first year and maybe for your, your final year and then go out into the uh, into the, the more regular uh, rental market for your sort of middle years. Um, but that's proved very difficult given just how tight the residential rental market. So there is clearly, a, a you know, is an overlap here in terms of that uh, those consumption those uh, patterns and that, that market there um, it and also there's a huge overlap in terms of the investors you know it, it once you've got um, a feel for the whole operational real estate piece in a sense you can think about well look it could be hotels it could be student accommodation it could be elder living it could be this new bill to rent um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff which uh, I, I think we're going to see the same investors play in all of these different uh, uh, verticals a very exciting period I think and very exciting that hospitality in many ways is the linkage between all of these different uh, now it's uh, time verticals. for our five star no star awards of this week and I think Andrew you're awarding five stars for the resilience of the economy yeah well ooh, God. dare we yeah. say it um, yeah it, well it's not <laughs> as bleak yes it's not as bleak as as we were thinking a few weeks ago is it i mean it's uh uh there was always a kind of uh weird one wasn't it um, how, how could we have the combination of soar away inflation and also these soar away interest rates i think one was going to give way to the other um if we have the recession um we should see the cut down in inflation and we seem to be going for a sort of relative modest level of recession and inflation heading south as well that seems to be very much the case that we we've got um, and um, you know certainly in terms of the interest rate rises you know a couple of weeks ago we were talking oh gosh uh, in the UK we're talking about it's going to be 600 basis points plus um, that looks very unlikely now we've just had the we're recording this on Thursday afternoon Thursday the 3rd of November and uh, the Bank of England has just announced is putting rates up to 300 basis points, a 75-bit rise. But crucially, it's saying, look, the market's got ahead of itself. It's far too uh, gloomy or... Um, in its assessment of, of going to 6%, um, it's going to be significantly lower than that, is the noise coming out of the Bank of England. So it's sort of looking that we might get to sort of 4%, might get to 4.5% if it's particularly if persistent with inflation, but not much more than that, which I think will... Um, we're still going to get a downturn. We're still going to have a recession, but that should mitigate the worst of that. We've got other good you know noises coming in in terms of gas prices they do look to be um, heading down and moderating all the fears around the power cuts and everything else um, seem to be moderating so yes we do have um, it is five stars for that uh, um, sense that it's nowhere near as bad as we feared sort of one or two or three weeks ago what you've just said andrew uh, we're giving no stars for the uh spiking energy prices which in certain jurisdictions have uh, are actually forcing hotels to close and i think the poster child for this problem is uh, hungary where uh, quite a number of the major spa hotels in the country have opted to close this winter in the face of uh, very 
high uh, energy costs and in fact the largest hotel in, in Budapest the Danubius is amongst those that is shutting up shop for the winter because frankly they decided they can't afford the bills No, I mean, Hungary, unfortunately, was very much hooked on cheap gas from Russia. And we all know how well that's worked out, um, you know, only having that single source of supply. And I think there has been a huge problem in the Hungarian market. I was talking to a, uh, one of the leading consultants in Hungary a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, that just how terrible this is for for all of those so uh, you know that the spa hotels in particular because they're high uses high users of energy um to provide all of those sort of facilities um and it's simply too expensive and they've not been able to push the rates up enough to counteract that we've seen you know a few closures in the uk uh, my sense is that it's a little bit overhyped we're not really seeing that number of um, um, hotels having to close because of energy i mean there's no question that rising energy prices is a challenge um, and it is impacting uh, profitability but you know energy is a very small part of the overall cost base of most hotels in the uk um, and yeah it's difficult but you ought to be able to deal with it if if your business was doing okay in the first place those hotels which are already struggling it's probably going to take them out and uh, you know uh, most sadly it is those hospitality businesses which are smaller and independent um, don't have access to uh, capital which are the ones which are going to go bang um, during this period I mean with the added problems and I think this is a bigger issue is in terms of the, the staffing problem um, the higher cost um, and just getting hold of people um, that's a much bigger issue I think and is the one that's really going to carry on um, beyond this energy crisis so yeah no stars for that uh, that set of headwinds we've got still got ahead of us we'll say goodbye for now